Hey everyone, welcome back to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. My name is William Leonard, your host for today. I'm eager to be sitting down with Jessica King, who is the CEO of Flow Intel. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, William. Yeah, it's it's great to see you again, Jessica. You are <laughs> the one of the winners from the 22nd Startup Runway Showcase, where you won the Women's Empowerment Grant. Um, and that was an incredible showcase that day. And I think we'll talk a little bit more yeah. about that. But I would love for you to give us maybe a 30-second minute overview of what Flow Intel is. Yeah, for sure. So um, Flowintel is a femtech biotech startup that's focusing on endometriosis. So endometriosis affects millions of women in worldwide, and it has painful symptoms that overlap with PMS and IBS, and it usually goes undiagnosed for years. Go undiagnosed for up to a decade, and most women only find out about it because they're facing subfertility or infertility. So our mission is to change that trajectory by offering a non-invasive, accessible at-home solution that screens for endometriosis and empowers women to take more control of their reproductive health by having this at-home testing kit followed by telehealth support afterwards. I love it. And this is a really big problem not only in the US, but really across the world that millions of yeah. face, like you mentioned, how did you come across this problem to, to one, have the passion to solve for it and two, to actually have the willpower to go say, hey, I'm going to build a company around endometriosis. <laughs> yeah, actually, when I tell people about this, they don't believe part of the first part of how I got started on this. So backtracking, um, I grew up, my mom wasn't employed, we had very limited access to healthcare. And um, I didn't even know about endometriosis. Doctor visits were an absolute luxury that we couldn't afford. The medical bill was potentially always haunting us. So I actually never even saw an OBGYN until I got to grad school. And I had a healthcare stipend that allowed me access to a student healthcare center. So I had never heard of endometriosis. And Fortunately for me, I never experienced endometriosis-related pain, and that's kind of given me a little bit of clarity to advocate for those who do, because I don't have like that that necessary influence of personal suffering. Um, I was actually working entirely on a completely different project that used the same principles and the same proprietary nanoparticle, but I was actually working in the brewing sphere. <laughs> so I was uh, trying to develop a um, an assay that would test for some um, impurities that are present in beer while you're brewing. <laughs> and around the same time, I had three friends, all of them are unrelated. They don't know each other. They were all in their 30s and 40s. They were all facing the same challenges of fertility. None of them were able to get pregnant. They were having unsuccessful IVFs, miscarriages, lack of egg retrieval. And these women didn't realize that they had endometriosis until it was halfway through their process. And it was probably within a month of each other, all of them came up to me and said, oh, I have endo. Turns out I have endo. Turns out I have endo. Um, so I looked at my capstone advisor and said, hey, is there a chance that we can redirect the research that we're doing um, and see where this can take off? And so um, because of them, it became a passion point of mine to work on endometriosis. Wow. That is so interesting because yeah. of you know, you're thinking about doing your capstone project. And now you're like, this is actually a real problem that I can go out, do research yeah. for, build for, and potentially solve an issue for millions of women 
each year. And so tell us more about the company and how you plan to practically deploy this non-invasive device to solve for endometriosis. And maybe you can get into a little bit more about the root of the problem here as well, which I think stems around misdiagnosis or lack of diagnosis, right? Because talk about how the symptoms can overlap with, you know, core problems like PMS or IBS. Tell us more about that and why misdiagnosis happens. Yeah, I think that there's quite a few reasons for it. I think that there's just a general taboo and lack of discussion about reproductive issues regardless. I think that a lot of women aren't able to advocate for themselves. Maybe they don't feel comfortable explaining what endometriosis is. Maybe they don't have a name for endometriosis. Um, Ironically, the same lab that I was working in doing my my graduate research first, my my first master's degree, one of the, the proprietary nanoparticle I was using was used for drug delivery for endometriosis in one of our, our lab studies that was published with my name on it. And I didn't even know it was being used for endometriosis. I was just credited for having, you know, developed a nanoparticle that could be used for this. And so I think that there's just a big word endometriosis with not a lot of big knowledge surrounding it. So yeah, like you mentioned, the symptoms of endometriosis are usually told to women that it's part of being uh, a girl. It's part of having your your menstrual cycle. Um, it's elevated pain. It's constipation, IBS. It's painful periods. It's pain during intercourse. Things that people don't really talk about. You don't usually sit down with your group of girlfriends at a cafe and talk about these things. And so that's why we're developing this as a screening kit. Is if we think that there is, if a woman thinks that she's having some kind of um, issue and she can't necessarily put a name to it yet then this as a screening kit can allow her to then go advocate for herself and say, I think that this could be indicative of endometriosis. And hopefully that also kind of bridges the gap for people who don't have accessibility to OBGYN, people that live in like medical deserts like Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, where access to OBGYNs is pretty scant, or people that are um, in low income, marginalized BIPOC communities that can't afford the frequent visits that are necessary to finally get to this very invasive diagnosis. So we hope that this kind of bridges that gap and allows people to more accessibly discuss it with more confidence, we think. Increasing access to healthcare, more specifically test kits like this in in areas that you mentioned that are medical deserts is so important. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think a venture firm can build an entire thesis off the back of that, right? There's, you know, we're, we're in such an advanced country, but also we see sort of the disparities that exist at certain levels of healthcare that it's like, wow, this is, we're in 2023. Why can't this certain demographic of people who just because they live 40 miles outside of a major metropolitan area can't get the same access that somebody who lives 10 miles from the metropolitan area can get, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. And it's also about quality of care, you know, not necessarily do you always have the option to go to an OBGYN that truly understands you. If you're living somewhere and you only have uh, maybe a choice between two OBGYNs and you don't feel like they're listening to you, that can really turn you off as well and make it really hard for you to even want to discuss it. And I think that as women, sometimes we take a back burner approach to advocating for ourselves, mainly because we're always very preoccupied with everyone else's needs. And so we don't advocate. 
So a screening kit, like you mentioned, could be helpful in any kind of situation like that. For sure. And let's talk a little bit more about, you know, Startup Runway and how you were one of the 10 finalists on stage pitching that day in September and ultimately became one of the three winners who won a non-dilutive grant for your company. And for our audience who doesn't know, to level set, Startup Runway is a pitch competition connecting underrepresented founders to their first check writers and investors organized as a nonprofit. Winners get three $10,000 non-dilutive grants for their startups. And so Jessica, tell us more about your startup runway experience, maybe from the beginning of how you found out about the program to apply to went through the process and, and what some of your core takeaways were as a finalist and now as a winner. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually found out about it through one of the accelerators that I'm a part of here in Orlando. Um, and so I had done two other pitch competitions prior to this, and I was thoroughly preparing my pitch deck with my help of the mentors at the accelerator. You know, we were going over the PowerPoint, basically just, you know, everything that, that the accelerator tries to help you with. And I think that there's only so much that you can rehearse before you actually get on stage, because then that becomes completely different. <laughs> um, but one of the things is that this isn't just a regular pitch competition where you're on the stage in front of the audience. This one, which I really found so valuable, was the breakout sessions that you mentioned with the individual investors. And it was very nerve wracking. But in retrospect, it didn't have to be as nerve wracking. Um, it's a really a very supportive remarkably supportive environment. Um, you get a chance to engage with investors, pick their brains about various issues, and you get all this feedback. And they pose challenging questions that like really make you think. And I think that the biggest takeaway is that, and this goes for anyone that makes it to a competition, is after the application process, once you get accepted, you've made it to that point for a reason. So these people that are sitting across the table from you are genuinely interested. They want to hear more about the venture. They might believe in what I'm actually doing and want to offer that support. And that's not something that you commonly see as a founder because you're so accustomed to hearing no, or not right now, or we can't offer you this. And I think a lot of founders have like that no constantly being told in their ear. And this competition helps remind you that you do actually have big supporters out there. So I think that's the biggest takeaway. You're right. There are supporters and people who are wanting and operating with your best interest in mind. Yeah. And how did you go about preparing? I don't know if this was, I don't probably wasn't your first pitch competition that you've done, but also you know, you've been through an accelerator before, you've you've sat in front of investors. How did you go about preparing for this showcase? <laughs> um, well, I did the drive from Orlando to Atlanta. And if anybody was sitting in the car with me or driving next to me, they probably would have seen this very crazy woman that just like kept repeating key figures <laughs> aloud to make them <laughs> more verbally pleasing. <laughs> so I think it's uh, truly, honestly, you, you just try to engage yourself in ways of describing your product and your mission that truly does tell a story and tells your story and more importantly, tells a story of, in my case, uh, my, my future customers, the women that need this product. So you really need to have that, that mentality. 
um, in terms of the coaching sessions, like I mentioned, I think that was the scariest portion, but I'm so thankful for them. They went so incredibly well. Um, there were ideas that popped up that I had only briefly touched with my accelerators and mentors, um, things like product lines and licensing. These are things that we hadn't really paid much attention before. Um, and so when I got back to Orlando, that was like the first email I typed up was like, hey, we had kind of put this on a back burner. We had sidelined this can we talk about this during our next meeting? And that was actually really exciting. Right. And you talk about the mentoring sessions, which after each showcase is one of the biggest, most positive points of feedback that we get from startup participants is that they were able to talk to mentors who have built companies, scaled companies, work in the world of healthcare, let's say, and can give you unparalleled insights into go-to-market strategy, distribution, uh, financing, how you think about building and targeting your initial core customers. So I'm glad that you got tremendous value out of that conversation. (laughs) And yeah. And so now post Startup Runway, you've got this $10,000 non-dilutive grant for Flow Intel. Mm -hmm. What's next on the horizon for you all as you think about building the company, scaling and growing. Yeah, yeah. So we're so grateful and thankful for the $10,000 winnings. It's going to be put to great use to further our mission. Right now, we're focusing on securing funding from the National Science Foundation through SBIR grants. Um, So SBIR grants are made specifically for small businesses, and they provide non-dilutive funding up to $275,000 for businesses like ours. They have to be a big risk in the science sphere, and um, it's a very competitive process. So our pitch was already accepted. We are so excited about that because that's a significant achievement. And now we're um, doing the next portion, which is ensuring our application is as strong as possible. So we are investing a portion of our our winning strategically to build as solid of a team as possible, because we know that the National Science Foundation doesn't just care about good ideas. They care about the people that are going to make that idea possible. So we want to strengthen it by building our advisory board, getting, uh, you know, more people on our team and solidifying these strategic partnerships that will really help cultivate it and make this as as appealing of an application as possible for the National Science Foundation which if any of my NSF uh, people that are looking over the application have to be happen to be listening to the podcast. <laughs> I love it. No, that is a great plan of action. NSF is a tremendous organization that pours capital into transformational projects. And yeah. it sounds like this is something that could be truly transformational for improving women's health and access to healthcare for women across the world, not even just in the U.S. What I love about the National Science Foundation, because I've worked with them to secure more academic-based grants, this is the first time applying for an SBIR, is they purposely say in the wording that they want something that's risky and disruptive and groundbreaking. And it's kind of almost some of the most opposite things that you hear about when you're talking to more traditional financial investors. You're like, oh, that's, that's risky. That's they like disruptive, right? But they're always like, "Oh, that's risky. That's scary." And the National Science Foundation is like, "Bring it on! Let's go with the scary stuff." <laughs> I mean, you always have to take a risk when you yeah. want an outlier outcome. 
you you can't get that being super conservative. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, but Jessica, this has been a great conversation to learn more about your background, flow and tell, your startup runway experience and and your vision for growing and scaling the business here over the next few months and, and years. And I'm excited because if there are, are any listeners out there right now who are thinking about applying to Startup Runway, hopefully your story and experience encourages them to, to go to startuprunway.org and apply to be a part of our next showcase, which is happening on December 7th at the Woodruff Art Center in Atlanta. So Jessica, I really appreciate your time and look forward to watching you build and grow Flow and Tell. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for being a part of the community of courage by listening to the visionary founders and investors on the Atlanta Startup Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode of the over 200 investors and founders sharing their insider tips and secrets to growth. Our regular listeners tell us we're the briefing room for the innovation economy in the fastest growing region of the country, the South, and when you subscribe, you become part of the inside circle. The Atlanta Startup Podcast is proudly hosted by Valor VC. Valor is a venture capital firm that leads seed rounds in AI and B2B SaaS startups. If you like the podcast, check out more of Valor's programs for courageous founders and investors, like Startup Runway. Over $100 million in early-stage venture capital is catalyzed through Startup Runway's grant-making program for pre-seed startups. Go to StartupRunway.org to learn more and apply directly for non-dilutive capital. Valor celebrates VC Day, the largest early-stage private capital conference in the region, at the end of the year. Top founders, leading VCs, endowments and family offices attend. Learn more at vc.day. At Valor, courage is the currency of innovation and the heartbeat of our culture. Thanks for listening and join us again next week.